30, this is where we'll start. And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, that is to Paul, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. Dr. Russell Moore um, is the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission for the Southern Baptist Convention. We're a Southern Baptist church, so um, we appreciate Dr. Moore's and what he does there for the SBC. Uh, Responding to Dr. Russell Moore, who was on Face the Nation this past week, Donald Trump tweeted this, quote, Russell Moore is truly a terrible representative of evangelicals and all of the good they stand for, a nasty guy with no heart, end quote. I posted my comments about this whole situation on Facebook, but here's the best part. And I want you to watch this, two parts of this. And or, Tyler, uh, the sound for the, uh, for the video, I mean for the thing, you know, the thing, computer, is that good to go? Okay. Music is paused. Let's see if I can do this. There you go. Ready, Tyler? Respond if you want to Donald Trump's tweet about you this morning. I thought it was great. It's one of the few things that I can agree with Donald Trump on. I am a nasty guy with no uh, heart. Uh, we sing worse things about ourselves in our hymns on Sunday mornings. We're a, a, a wretch in need of God's grace. And so um, I, I agree with that. Uh, but I think that's, that's the reason why I need forgiveness uh, from God through Jesus Christ. Here's another one. He says that I am a, a nasty guy with no heart. That's true. I am a nasty guy with no heart, which is why I need forgiveness of sins and redemption through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Isn't that great? Way to go, Dr. Moore. <laughs> I mean, he took the opportunity to proclaim the gospel on TV networks where the gospel is despised and mocked. I mean, what a... Perfect. This is a great segue into our message this morning. Let's see if I can get it up here. Yeah. The last message for the book of Acts, just do it, be who you are, let God use you to fulfill His mission. Our title is, God's Story Continues, Acts 29. God's Story Continues, Acts chapter 29. I thought about titling it, The Story Continues, but I don't think that's, that's true. Because remember, God is the hero. He's the primary hero of the book of Acts. And if God is the primary hero of the book of Acts, He still is the hero in His church. And so the challenge, as God's story continues, the challenge for us is, in our own lives, how will we continue the story of the progress of the gospel? Will we take it to those on our street, those we work with, our relatives, our friends? How will God use us to continue His story? 
How will God use me to continue His story? And just so you know, God will make it happen through the means of a godly, faithful, gospel-driven, Jesus-focused church whom He powerfully enables in the gospel. Powerfully enables by the Holy Spirit. And if there is a time when our nation needs to hear the hope of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's now. It's in this election time. What an opportunity that's given to us to allow, allowing the gospel to shine in our lives. I mean, here is an example of today from Dr. Russell Moore. Taking the opportunity to proclaim the gospel to let the gospel shine in our lives, to, to show how God's grace has changed us. To show that God has been so gracious to me, let me share with you His grace. God has been so kind to me in the gospel, let me share with you the kindness of God. How He can change others. That's Acts 29. As we see here in Acts 28, God's message of salvation had, as one writer puts it, quote, reaches the highest levels of Rome. The future of the Jewish nation and the progress of the gospel, it's open-ended because God's church is still proclaiming the truth of the gospel. He's still using us to fulfill His mission. We face a task unfinished, as we sang, and yet it's not without hope. We have the hope because God is the hero and God's the one who's using us. And He's going to get her done. We saw that in the book of Acts. I mean, this call to all people to embrace God's message, it takes us back to months and months ago when we looked at the Gospel of Luke. Do I have it on the screen? Yeah, Luke chapter 2, verse 32. Luke chapter 2, verse 32. If I can get there. There we go. Simeon finally sees the baby of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, Now your servant can depart. And in verse 32 he says, A light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Where the gospel was for Jews, but it's also a light for Gentiles. This gospel message is for all. And it also takes us back to Luke 24, 44. Should be through 48, not colon, 48. Which is what we read just a few moments ago. Where Jesus says that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead. And that repentance for forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. And so we are witnesses. We testify, and how we testify is, is this thing called the Word of God, which is sufficient, inerrant, and infallible. We take this and we're witnesses. This is the truth. This is the evidence for the truth. Embrace Christ and all the evidences that point to Jesus Christ. God 
excuse me, Jesus commissioned his disciples to proclaim this message of forgiveness to all people. And that's us. That's where we come in. Acts 29 is how God's word is still being proclaimed. This is what Jesus said in Luke 24. And it's God's spirit who directs and enables us to be bold to proclaim this gospel message. So the mission is to take the gospel to all the world. Even to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8 Jesus says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, excuse me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. The challenge in Acts 1.8 is for us to think and consider how we can follow the example of Acts Gospel Proclaimers in our own situations, in our own circumstances, where has God placed you? In your job, in your neighborhood, with family, with friends, this little town, that little area of the neighborhood, this little part of Cottonwood or Jerome or Camp Verde or Clarkdale, wherever. Where does God have you? This is where He's going to use you. That's the challenge. And we follow Paul's example. We follow the example of others in the book of Acts. Do I have it? I think I have Yeah, Acts chapter 8 verse 4. Acts, Acts chapter 8 verse 4. Therefore those who have been scattered went about preaching the word. In chapter, excuse me, in chapter 11 verse 19 through 21. Chapter 11, verse 19, So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus, Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men who, Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and spoke to the Greeks, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Who were these people? Well, I don't know. They're not named. They're just people like us. Just normal people. Normal men and women. Just proclaiming the gospel. See, this is simply our DNA as God's people's church. It's just who we are. Jesus didn't say, okay, you have to do He just says, you're going to be my, you will be, you will be. He doesn't command it in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He just says, you are. It's not a command. It's just what we are. It should just be a part as like brushing your teeth every night. Hopefully you don't brush your teeth every night. But that's it's just a normal thing that we do. We're called to persist and fight in this ministry of gospel proclamation to all people. No matter the difference, no matter the hostility, no matter the opposition. It's just who we are. I mean, think about it. Let's say you're a soldier in the Marines. Your military commander, your commanding officer doesn't come to you and say, you know what, I was thinking, we got these orders to go to this place. What do you guys think about doing this? You guys okay with that? Nah, Captain, we don't want to do that. Okay. 
I'll go. Okay, Joe wants to go. Anybody else? Nah, I'm I'm too tired. That's not how it works, right? You guys get your rear ends off of that couch. You get your stuff. You pack your gear. We're going to Afghanistan. We're going to Iraq. We're going to Sudan. We're going to this place. It's just your soldiers. It's who you are. Why do we not think that way as Christians? I, 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 you know, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I, you know, I, yeah. When's lunch? It's, it's, that's how we think. That's not my, that's your job. That's why we do the offering, pastor. You're the one that does that stuff. I'm too busy. We just don't get it. This is just who we are as a church. It's part of our DNA. You are a soldier. Acts shows us that with the coming of God's rule through the Lord Jesus Christ, there's forgiveness of sins, justification before God, and the enabling power of the Holy Spirit for this mission God calls us to fulfill. We can fulfill His mission by and through and in His power. It can be done. Just be who you are. And, And this is where Acts 29 comes into play. We are Acts 29. And people ask me, what Acts 29? Is that you know what, what's going on with that? You're Acts 29. It's you. It's us. God's mission to proclaim and live this gospel word continues to be fulfilled through us, his people. We spread it to the entire world. Members of Cottonwood Bible Church, specifically to you. It's us. We are Acts 29. The challenge is how how is God going to continue to use you? In what ways will He use you? In what ways will you let Him use you? It's just it should just be who you are. So I was thinking through what are some principles that we can pull out in reference to good evangelism from Acts 28, Acts chapters one through 28. Um, what have we seen in Acts about good evangelism? What, what are good Acts 29 principles from Acts chapters 1 through 28? There's probably more, but here's five of them. So if you want to write these down, you want something to write down, you can write this down. Five Acts 29 principles from Acts chapters 1 through 28. Number one, we can be confident and ready because of God's sovereignty. We can be confident and ready because of God's sovereignty. What does that mean? God's sovereignty gives us the confidence and the readiness that we need to proclaim the gospel. Why? Because God is sovereign in election. He elected people before the foundation of the world, not based on their foreseen faith, but based upon His good, righteous, gracious choice. He chooses people. So we have such assurance in the doctrine of election. He's sovereign in changing hearts. We can't change people's hearts. You can't make someone believe in Jesus. 
But we have the assurance, we have the confidence, and we can be ready to proclaim the gospel because God is sovereign because He can change people's hearts. He's sovereign in our words. You might go, blah, 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 Jesus died, blah, 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 right? At least that's sometimes that's what you feel like. You feel like you botched things up. Oh, I just messed it up. You ever walk away and say, why didn't I say that? Right? Right? Yeah? I've done that. I did that not this past Friday, but the Friday before that in Jerome. I went, what an idiot. You know, you could have said this and this and this, moron. Way to go. I had a great conversation with myself. And you blew it. Praise God. He's sovereign. And he'll take your botched up, messed up, you should have said that, I could have, should have, would have, said those words, and he still brings about the salvation of people. Look at the book of Acts. Look at how he did that. He's sovereign in election, sovereign to change hearts, sovereign in our words, and sovereign in our suffering and opposition that we face. God can use the suffering that you face the suffering that you're facing even today can use that for the glory of His name to show that God is pouring out His grace upon you and give you an opportunity to proclaim the gospel to this person who needs God's grace. We can be ready, confident because of God's sovereignty. Principle number two. We focus on God's rule through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our focus. Jesus is both Lord and Christ, said Peter, having lived, died, and risen from the dead. He is the King who rules now. He's ruling upon the throne of David now. He'll consummate it when he returns, yes. But he rules now calling sinners to repent and trust in Him alone for forgiveness of sins and to be justified in the sight of God. That's our focus. It has to be our focus. It must be our focus. Because that is the essence of Christianity. Christianity is not doing good things. Christianity is not social justice. Christianity is not coming and being a part of some church. Christianity centers and focuses upon the Lord Jesus Christ, who He is and what He's done. That's Christianity. And embracing that with your life. It's our focus because we understand how much we need God's grace. It's so, it's so much we needed God to forgive me how much I need God to justify me, how much I deserve God to judge me, and yet He's shown His grace. See, it's in our focus because it's merely an outflow of our loving response to Jesus Christ ourselves. And if you're here, and you need to respond to the message of grace, if you need to do that, Repent and trust in Jesus. You will be held accountable to God because He's our Creator and we have been, are presently and will continue to be lawbreakers. He must judge us, but yet He's gracious and kind in sending Jesus, the Eternal Son, who lived, who died, who rose. Repent and trust in Jesus alone and you'll be saved. That's the Gospel. 
That's our focus. God's rule through the Lord Jesus Christ, His Son. Third principle. We proclaim this message to anyone and everyone. Jesus is Lord of all, so we proclaim the message to all. It doesn't matter who. All lives matter. All lives matter to God. Because all are called to repent and trust Jesus Christ alone. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic. India, Saudi Arabian, Yemen, Ethiopian. All. It doesn't matter who. Because all lives matter to God. Because all should respond to Christ. We can be confident and ready because of God's sovereignty. Second principle, we focus on God's rule through the Lord Jesus Christ. Third, we proclaim this message to anyone and everyone. Fourth, this is the reason we are still here. People don't worship Jesus. Worship is ultimate. Missions is not ultimate. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't exist. People are worshiping themselves. Something else. Someone else. They must bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ to become worshipers of the one true God. Worship is ultimate because Jesus is ultimate. This is why we're still here. This is why there's missions. This is why the guy next to you or the person beside you, the neighbor, the relative who doesn't know Christ and you're proclaiming the gospel, you are telling them you are not a worshiper of Jesus. You need to become one. That's why there's missions because there's people who do not worship Jesus. This is the reason we're still here. People need to become worshipers of Jesus. And then principle number five. Nothing will hinder the message. Not prison, persecution, any type of suffering, cancer, sickness, disease, not death. I'll tell you, our adversaries, the world, the flesh, and the devil, they'll do whatever they can to hinder God using you to fulfill His mission. But nothing will hinder His work. Not sin, not death, not Satan, nothing. As a matter of fact, God will use your suffering. As a matter of fact, suffering is used. So in suffering, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God, Acts 14.22. Paul was strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue the faith, saying... Through many tribulations, through many trials, through many sufferings, we must enter the kingdom of God. God will use your suffering to bring about His kingdom, to show that God is so gracious, giving you grace in the midst of your suffering, so you can proclaim that same grace to a person who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing will hinder the message. Nothing will hinder the message. Those are our five principles that we can glean from from the book of Acts Acts 29 principles for us and, and it's clear from Acts 
that his word will spread amid the opposition because he emboldens his faithful witnesses. He emboldens us. His faithful people know and understand his call to them and they get it done. Not out of obligation, although it's true we're obligated to do that, but it's, it's deeper than that. It's because of his great grace that he's given to us. This gospel word is for all because Jesus is Lord of all. And this gospel is spreading unhindered because of God's power in fulfillment of his promise made in the Old Testament. And despite any resistance, God will continue to move. So again, who's the real hero of Acts? God is. God's the hero. Acts shows how God revealed the gospel word through the Lord Jesus Christ and a faithful church. Acts shows how he fulfilled his promise for the gospel word to reach the ends of the earth. <clears throat> and as we read here in Acts 28, how it, the gospel came to Rome, we think that this is the end. This is merely the beginning. This is not the end. This is the beginning. Because after verse 31 of Acts 28, Acts 29 begins. It's us. It's his people who continue to spread the message. It doesn't end. It begins. Because it's God, He was the one who created the church to be the vehicle through which He would proclaim a message of hope to this lost, evil, hurting world. That He changes hearts and He saves sinners. And remember I said, God will make it happen through the means of a godly, faithful, gospel-driven, Jesus-focused church whom He powerfully enables. You're enabled by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables you to proclaim this message, to live out grace in your life. The Spirit enables you. It's already there. You just got to move. Just do it. That's been the theme of Acts. Just, just do it. Just go do it. Because the power's already there. As God was the hero of Acts, He's still the hero of just church too. He's going to move. He's going to use us. Our ascended Lord is still working by empowering His gospel agents through the Holy Spirit to proclaim and teach the gospel of Jesus boldly and freely. We may be persecuted, hated, imprisoned, mocked, or killed, but God's gospel word will never be bound. It will never be bound. One writer puts it like this. God uses formal and informal missionaries. What do I mean? What would be formal missionaries? I'm a formal missionary. And then like a missionary like goes out and you know specifically they go to a specific country and that's a formal missionary. That's what I'm doing is the formal way. Full time ministry. Who are the informal missionaries? All of you. You as members are informal. Because the formal people can't be everywhere. It's you. 
It's, it's you. It's us together. We are Acts 29. God uses formal and informal missionaries. We are all called to be who we are. We're all his witnesses. In other words, God is still actively working through his people just as he did in Acts. He gave the mission call and he gave the spirit to empower us. I mean, look at what he does. God directs his church, enables his church, protects his church, expands his church. It's all about God. That's what he's going to do. So he's going to direct us, he's going to enable us, he's going to protect us, and he's going to expand us. And, and the motivation that, that we're doing this, what's motivating us is because he's shown such great grace to us in the Lord Jesus Christ in the gospel. There's forgiveness, I'm justified, I'm reconciled, I'm redeemed, I'm loved, I'm forgiven, there's grace, overflowing grace given to me, and so that's what's motivating me to proclaim this message to others. It's all about God. That's Acts 29. So that's all I got for you. There you go. Let's pray. And take a moment, if you would. Pray in your spirit. Or in your soul. For us as a church, Cottonwood Bible Church, that God would direct us. Enable us protect us and that he would expand us pray that for us if you would in your soul for us as a church take a few moments and do that we lift up and praise you Lord Jesus Christ And there are people that we have in our minds, relatives, cousins, close friends, neighbors, co-workers, people we see at the store, at a restaurant that we know. They don't know you. Our hearts are heavy. Oh God, we pray. Direct us as your church. Enable us by the power of your Spirit. And that enabling power is there. Let us just do it and just be who, you, who we are. You protect us. Though they might make us suffer, ridicule and mock us though we might face disease, sickness and otherwise you still protect us because the worst they, thing they can do is kill us and that is actually the best thing they can do because then we're with you forever direct us, enable us, protect us and God we also pray you would expand us Expand us in the city of Cottonwood. Expand your church in this small little town. Expand your church in the Verde Valley. Expand your church 
at a good, solid, Bible-teaching Baptist church be planted in Jerome. Where people would just say, wow, that's totally a God thing. Encourage us as your people in the midst of our pains and heartaches, in the midst of our difficulties, to know that you're sovereign in all these things. And you will use us to the glory of your name. How amazing. How amazing is your grace. If you would, at this time, ponder and think what we've seen, these principles from Acts, the book of Acts. And after a few moments, we'll continue our time of worship through singing, uh, through giving, excuse me, and then singing two more songs and then our closing prayer. So ponder for a few moments.